You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, welcome into a special Summer League edition of the Winning Plays podcast. My name is Brian Robb, usually joined by Michael Pina and Rich Levine, but have another special guest. You heard him last month make his debut on the Winning Plays pod. He's We somehow convinced him to come back for more. Ryan Bernardoni, uh, how are you this evening, sir? I'm doing very well. Um, glad to be back and uh, keeping Mike and Rich off the pod um, because... <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, do- I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, well, you are still the best guest we've ever had in the podcast. So um, I have the, the trophy, a belt, the trophy. whatever. But... <laughs> Undefeated on that regard, just like the uh, the Celtics Summer League team, which uh, we're recording this on a Friday night. So they are currently 4-0, um, heading into tournament action during Summer League. And... I don't know, Ryan. This is normally summer league after four games is a very painful endeavor to watch, um, but this team has not been the case there. And so I figured we have, you know, the sample size is small, but there's plenty of stuff to digest here for a team that will have four or five guys potentially on the 50-man roster. But just your initial impressions of this group and how much more. Uh, enjoyment are you getting out of them compared to uh, the 2017-18 or 2018-19 Boston Celtics? Excuse me. Yeah, this is not only uh, this is not only the greatest uh, Celtics summer league team of all time. This is the greatest Celtics team since 1986. Uh, there has <laughs> never been uh, this Celtics summer league team could could beat uh, they could beat the Charlotte Hornets real team possibly. <laughs> um, it's it's been very fun. Uh, it is four games. But summer leagues always uh, has a potential at least to be fun. You know, sometimes you get those years where it's like you just don't have anybody new of any interest coming in. But for, uh, you know, this year they've got um, multiple rookies who are interesting and Robert Williams is there doing Robert Williams things and also some new stuff that we maybe haven't seen from before, which has been really fun. Uh, the, the Celtics rookies who have, you know, who are there are all kind of play a fun style or are interesting and, and very different from what we saw last year. I think is welcome and the you know maybe the biggest thing is that Romeo Langford hasn't played uh, because of his thumb and he's their their top pick right um, and they're still pretty far and away the best team uh, in Vegas so far uh, entering the all-important summer league tournament that literally nobody cares about uh, it's right. a weird system right where like the first four games it, every every game that you go people care less and less about until you get to the title game where nobody cares at all um, and there's like 14 people in the stands. Of, everyone's got yeah. in Vegas at that point. Well, nobody's in Vegas at that point. Like everybody's gone home, and they're just like giving away tickets, right? The first the first night of the whole tournament, or the of the whole the whole set, especially with Zion there, tickets were pretty hard to come by. And by the end, there's like nobody in the stands, and the teams are just trying to get out there and play. Like Robert Williams probably won't even play, I would guess, in all three tournament games if they go that far. He'll just sort of they'll be like, yeah, you're done. You can go home. It's fine. <laughs> 
So I don't know, but it's been fun. I mean, you were out there. Did you uh, did you enjoy it this year more than in uh, past years? Yeah, I mean, it's usually again by the second or third game, you're kind of checked out of the games. You have to, and there's obviously more. You're out there more for the people that are out there around the team, whether it's you know, Danny, Brad Stevens, other players that are coming to visit. Um, you know, we got to talk to Brad. Obviously, we're word is we'll get to talk to Danny once the uh, the Kemba press conferences comes down uh, in the next week or two. But in a surprising turn of events, it's just the actual basketball that's been enjoyable to watch for a change. And I think it's kind of worth going through. Everyone will list here, and I'm just I'm going to make up a quick ranking for us, Ryan. Just a little thought exercise here right now in terms of ranking who we think on this summer league team is actually going to have an impact or degree of impact they'll have on next year's 15 man roster team. And so I'm going to start number one for me. It's taco fall. It's taco fall. Um, That's all anybody wants to talk about. You have put taco fall on the title of this podcast and it will become the most listened to podcast in the world. Number one on all the charts. We're not about, you know, click listening bait. So we're not going to do that. Um, (laughs) Before last night, I would have said Grant Williams. Um, but Robert Williams' double double has me slash all his passing is intriguing me since this was the kind of game you wanted to see a, a second year guy kind of have in summer league, and the rebounding has been very good, the passing is very good, his finishing around the basket is kind of tough when he fi- finds traffic down there, but he seems to be getting better at that. Ryan, I know you really think that he's a real key piece of the puzzle next year in terms of the long-term plan. But clearly the Celtics, if any, he's a guy they need to, or would be best for them to kind of, you know, break out next year based on his contract and his skill set. I feel like, right? Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. I mean, I'm pretty high on, on him and have been since the beginning. Um, even though I had never watched him in college, <laughs> I don't, I don't really watch anybody in college, but just even coming in, uh, you can see pretty quickly, last year that he had rare skills for like the Celtics in terms of franchise history. Like we just haven't really had many guys like this. Um, and it's, it's basketball. It's kind of nice to have a guy who's like six, nine, six, ten. He can like jump out of the building and block shots and dunk and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, just that he can, you know, could bring a different element to it. I thought was good last year, but coming into this year where the team has changed so much and like you have sort of a different expectation level for them. Uh, it just seems like it's a year where they really should, uh, you know, dedicate some of their some of the floor time resources, just you know, at that base level, uh, to to getting them out there, because like regardless of what you think about this season, if you think that this team is not really a contender and this is just kind of a fun throwaway season, maybe it's kind of a transitional thing, then like you may as well get him out there because he's he's going to be fun, right? And if you think that they're uh, you know have a bright future with uh, you know Jalen and Jason. They're going to need a center, and so you would like to get him out there to see if he can be more than just kind of a fun player and develop for the future into something that's really meaningful. Because one of the things that's going on around the league right now, or the last couple of years, is that like centers have become so much less, uh, like less scarce and so less valuable. And so if you can develop one on the cheap, it means you don't have to go and sign, you know, make the decision you're going to spend five million dollars on an Ennis Cantor type, or are you going to spend fifteen million on somebody who's like. Five percent better and probably not worth it, unless if you you know unless you have one of those few max guys. So, from a lot of perspectives, like I think it's worth putting time into into his development. Um, and you know, it's summer league. Like he's supposed to be really good in summer league. He was a first round draft pick 
and it's his second season. Like <laughs> you, you expect that from him, but some of the stuff he's showing, especially in terms of the passing, I think we knew was there uh, from little glimpses of it, but like, it's nice to see that, that that's really there. Cause that's, that's one of the things that I think can earn him time from, from Brad Stevens is, you know, like it's not, if he can make a little mid range jumper or something like that, it's like, if he can move the ball within the offense and make better decisions, uh, you know, on defense, then he'll get, he'll get time. So I think that's been a positive. Um, and I agree that he's probably jumped over Grant Williams, uh, not because of anything Grant Williams has done wrong, but just because Robert Williams is a year ahead and a position that they have a little bit less at. Um, so I would probably put him number one as well. Uh, but I think, I don't know if you have any different thoughts about him, but but then Grant Williams would probably come second on that list, uh, if not if not a you know first. Right. I mean that's a smooth transition. I guess it's encouraging for both. Like how well the two of them are playing together. Yeah, it um, makes sense as a pairing, right? Right. Sort of. It really yeah. does, since like you do, you know, Robert Williams is a lot of things, but like, but you know, his strength is not high in the list there, and Grant Williams, um, fills in in that capacity while also not having obviously the leaping ability or the athleticism that Robert Williams has. So, you know, they, they kind of, they make sense. Grant Williams obviously can stretch the floor from the outside a bit more than we all expected so far. I mean, it's early, but uh, four or five on Friday night, I think he's, you know, seven of 16 for the week, which is pretty encouraging for a guy who shot 29% from his career uh, at Tennessee. But I don't know, Ryan, like just the little things with him, again, the, the off ball stuff, the the smart plays of whether to, you know, you know, set a screen off the ball to get someone open or, you know, make the, the heads up play to draw the charge. Um, he's just doing, I mean, this is stuff that you expect from a seasoned college player, but you know, you're not necessarily sure it's going to translate or not. And his entire skill set seems to be there potentially even more than what we saw from him in college based on the tape. Yeah, and it really stands out in this setting where the teams are like really frantic, and usually you get just a ton of mistakes, and like players are almost like running into each other because they, right they they don't know each other. They just met in a lot of cases. These are guys who are playing for their own stats, hoping that they can latch on somewhere. So to see somebody who does kind of fit and make the you know kind of greases the wheels of of a functional basketball team out there in this setting probably stands out even more than than in any other, um, which I think has been interesting to watch the other thing between the two of them is that they they seem to have like a, a pretty good passing rapport already like you've seen a couple times where where even i think uh last uh, night the high low the, the last game yeah the robert williams was like throwing like high low entry passes and the the pass where he kind of whipped it back out to the to the perimeter in the second game that he played i guess the third game that the celtics played that was also to grant williams i think right so yep. they they've had a couple of like kind of highlight stuff but also they just seem to have a pretty good chemistry on the, the sort of simpler passes, interior passing, uh, some of the defensive stuff, and like you said, screening, off-ball, and setting up different kind of uh, kind of actions that you actually might see at the NBA level and that you just don't ever see in summer league because, again, like how do, you, how do you build those plays into a roster when the guys met like two days ago and everybody just wants to get shots up? Um, so that's been interesting to watch, and that's what he talks about a lot. And a lot of guys talk about this, about being all about winning and stuff like that, but uh, he seems to have those at least have those talking points really well down um <laughs> and and if it's you know it does seem to be legitimate in the way that he that he plays at this point uh, which is you know it, it's rare maybe that um that a first round draft pick comes in and has that kind of mindset because in a lot of cases you don't you know you don't come in thinking like oh i'm going to be a role player a lot of times you come in thinking well i'm going to prove that i'm more than a role player and he seems to be coming in thinking like well 
I'm going to prove that I'm a really good role player, <laughs> that I'm going to be in this league for 15 years and I, you know, I can start and I can do a lot of things, but like his, his starting position is that, which is kind of what the team needs, kind of what a lot of teams need. So uh, between the two of them, it's been uh, not just good on-court stuff, but I think uh, a lot of good signs for the Celtics for this year as well, which is really what this is all about. Like nobody, it's fun to be 4-0, but yeah, you know, nobody I really mean, cares. Nobody's going to remember it, but it's the the right players are playing well. Yeah, and the exactly. Midst of the the four zero is the, and I think honestly the, this must have been like a requirement of the interviews they had this summer at draft. Come like, what do you see yourself? <laughs> like, I want to play a good role. Okay, you're on the list now, based off of what we had to deal with last year. Um, I mean, he seems like a pretty obvious eventual closing five candidate. I feel like in terms of if they want to go small ball for this team anyway. I don't know about this year. I don't know, but, it, but I'm like, I'm like looking at like, what are the options going to be? Well, like, I just, I mean, I think they're going to play three wings and a center. I, I don't think they're. You don't think he'll go super, like, who's going to be that center though? Oh, you think he's going to be the center with three wings? Well, I mean, then he's. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, like, not a lot. I'm just saying that. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the same. The he's the same. Is he even taller than Jalen? Like, he would be the. No, he's. So he'd be the second shortest guy playing center on a small ball lineup. Like, it's interesting. And maybe that's what that's sort of Brad Stevens' college mo, right? Like that right. wouldn't be out of out of line for that. But um, I mean, most nights they're gonna they're gonna play a center at the yeah. end of the games, right? Like I don't know which one it'll be. We may not even it may be somebody who's not even on the team yet. Um, I just know, think by the end a, of the season, but that'll be a lineup though. I would not surprise that. He'll throw it out there maybe, true. but um, yeah, it's he's just he he's he's short for that position. I mean, he stands out as you, you look at him and. And he plays bigger, but um, I think when he's on the floor, you do look at him sometimes. You're like, oh yeah, he's he really is like six five in a in a game where everybody else on the floor is going to be like at least yeah six 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 seven taller than that. So uh, it would be interesting to see. I don't like I, said, I don't think he's going to be closing games important games as a rookie center, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean Brad will be tinkering throughout the year, I think, and we'll see some interesting stuff with him. All right, so that's a pretty clear one, two there. I think there's us. a one, two, three. All right, the three. I mean, Carson. <laughs> I think there's a. I think there. Carson yeah, I mean, is could be easily number two. Um, I, I think he could be number one. I mean, to be honest, be I, yep. he's been eye-opening. I guess maybe before maybe we should have started here, but um, obviously, Tremont Waters is you know is now dealing with a family tragedy and. Um, and so his, I mean, his, who cares, right? But his summer league is, I assume, over and he's heading back home um, and has been, you know, again, he's looked really good on the floor. It doesn't matter at this point for what he has going on. So yeah, you know, you thoughts, just... to, thoughts are with him. And, and I don't even know what to say about, about what he you know must be going through now. Um, but the three, you know, the sort of Robert Williams, Carson Edwards uh, and Grant Williams trio have been, uh, you know, joined by Waters, I think, in being a, a force and that's made the team really good. But it's really those those first three that we're looking at in terms of future potential and all that. And I think Edwards has been closer to the Williamses than any you know than he has been to the pack in terms of impact on the team and and promise for the future. He's and, I mean he's looked great. He's looked like a player who like I don't expect you know if he if you told me five years from now maybe whatever eight years from now you came back from the future and like oh Carson Edwards is an all star. Like I would be really, really surprised by that, but I wouldn't be like stunned by it. like he has a game, he has an NBA game, and you could see it in his college, even like his college highlights. Right again, I didn't watch him play all the time, but he's come into summer league and played the exact same way, and it's like 
it's like a, a way that the NBA plays. You know, he's off the dribble, pull up deep threes, and really confident in making them. Um, and that, you know, if if he can do that on in in the NBA, like that's a that's a huge deal for any team, and, and the Celtics will find a way to use that. I think. No, no question. I mean, like, I feel like just what I mean. It's very early. I feel like Eddie Houses is like the floor for his career. Yeah, I had when I was uh, joking about right after the draft that you know I went and did what everybody else does and like watched highlight reels and uh, I had said he looks like little Eddie House and somebody replied and said, "Oh, he's Eddie Hut." <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, thought that was an apt description at that point. <laughs> but it is. I mean, and the the knock on him. I mean, clearly. A lot of pre- like was onus was on him at Purdue. He had to take you know the the percentages weren't great, um, but when you have an inferior sporting cast, that's what happens when you're playing Big Ten basketball. Um, with better players now in summer league, he is taking better shots. I feel like, and then even when the tougher ones, he's making enough of them to justify them. And I didn't expect him to be able the defense to be there, but that's something again. Scott Morrison has kind of talked about multiple times during the week being like he got after it with ball pressure and took, you know, the opposing point guard out of the easy offense. And that's again, something that you think of him as just a a score first type guy. But if he brings defense at a solid level, then he's, he's going to play a lot right away, even though the the minutes for him are tougher in the backcourt than they will be for to find the front court. Yeah. I mean, you said Eddie house. And I think that is, like the sort of natural uh, comp for him in terms of like his most likely role and his most likely future. Um, but another uh, second round pick who's who's made quite the career for himself, Kyle Lowry, that's who he sort of, who I've been watching and being like, oh, he's, it's all, it's his sort of legs and core instead of his butt. But he has that like thick, low, you know, stance and, and power that lets him play defense. Um, maybe that seems bigger than, than what he really is. Offensively, he's not a, not really a natural point guard, so I'm not making that comparison on that end. Um, but that's where I sort of sometimes look at him and be like, well, you know, Kyle Lowry's not that tall, but he uses that sort of, you know, he has the intelligence, which you have to develop over time, but he uses that base strength to just, you know, post-ups are not particularly efficient, and we've seen over and over again teams try to target players like Lowry, like I mean, Marcus Smart's quite a bit bigger than Edwards. But, you know, there's these guys who who teams try to sort of target in a way that is just self-defeating. And if Edwards can hold up against that kind of, you know, that kind of attack and he's showing some ball pressure skills and things like that, like if he has any defensive value, then the way he can shoot the ball is, like you said, it's going to get him on the floor. It, the minutes are maybe harder to come by, but like if you really think about who he's fighting for in terms of minutes right now I don't think that the that they're particularly deep at at that position especially if you think that like you know Gordon Hayward's going to have minutes playing as right. the primary facilitator like they're still going to want somebody on the floor who's guarding point guards and if Carson Edwards is showing that he can make 30 foot jump shots and like do a credible job guarding backup point guards then there's pretty you know pretty clear minutes for him I think at that time yeah I mean there's if they want Smart, if Smart's coming off the bench or Hayward's coming off the bench and they're going to handle the ball handling there, then Edwards is, makes sense as a clear cut too, assuming obviously that like he's going to beat out Wanamaker for minutes, which I think from both uh, what we've seen so far and just from a development perspective seems pretty likely to happen. 
Yeah, I mean that'll uh, wax and wane during the year. You think, right? Like, right. There will be times right. when he's when you're no, you don't see him for a couple of games and oh, what's going on with Carson Edwards? And it's just like, oh well, he had a couple of rough games, and so they went to went a different direction. And it'll come back and it'll go. And I think with Smart, the with who's on the team, they're probably gonna they'll probably spend quite a lot of time with him on guarding shooting guards like they did, you know, when he was playing with Rogier. So I think you could play those two together as well. Same kind of thing. If Smart is more of the you know creator on the uh, on offense. Then Edwards can play as more of like a two guard, and then you just swap that on on defense. So I think either way, there's there's a role for him. I just think that he's looked great, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Like yeah. I think I he's mean, looked so good and so interesting, just in terms of like again NBA skills. Like what do you what can win you games at this level? What can get you on the floor? And it's like oh you can you can run off a screen and quick trigger from the three point line, or you can dribble up the floor and pull up from ten feet behind the, the line, and like both of them seem like reasonable good shots like that's that'll get you minutes i just assume he's gonna play more than romeo langford maybe just like it, it's, uh, yeah, a, it's I mean, a dumb assumption but just like i don't know if it is just uh, positionally right. at the very least like langford is up against against smart prop for some of those minutes but mostly you know the, the jays and and hayward and like they're just gonna eat up a lot of those minutes so that's probably right. true. Or, well, I don't know if it's probably true, but it, it wouldn't be surprising if that's how it plays out. Right. And he's in the Southern Circuit and needs shooting. And Langford obviously is reworking his whole jump shot, and he's younger than Edwards. So, like, you just – I don't know if they planned it out this way, but I feel it does take just a lot of pressure off of, you know, well, who knows? Maybe Langford comes in and is roles during training camp just as well, but yeah. he's got an uphill climb there in terms of, you know, based on how everyone else has looked. Yeah, if, week. Well, if he looks as if you know, if he looks as good as all the other rookies did, then then the Celtics draft class is looking like a, an awfully strong one. Uh, I think he may have more. I think Langford, from what I understand of his game and just sort of the nature of where value comes from in the league, and Edwards probably have more star power than Grant Williams, um, but not sort of a more uh, median outcome sort of value, right? That's and I don't think that's any that's. I think kind of conventional wisdom on this, um, but it's a little bit. Maybe we shouldn't be that surprised by any of this. A lot of people coming into this draft, if you sort of took the consensus. There were, I think, people would have said like, "Oh, from you know ten to twenty-five, there's very little difference between the players." And Edwards was maybe by a lot of people thought to be a top twenty-five prospect, and right. in some cases, maybe Grant Williams wasn't thought that other people really liked him. But you group them all together, and like all three of the players who they drafted could reasonably have been in that sort of ten to twenty-five range for a lot of people, maybe even the Celtics. And if you thought that was all flat and sort of all the same, and now you have three guys who come in and regardless of where they were picked, like looking very reasonably similar, very reasonably, that's a great, uh, that doesn't make any sense, but you know, <laughs> looking reasonably similar in terms of like projectability and value and all that, um, that again would kind of line up with what people had said about this, this draft class coming into it. Uh, so maybe that's what's happening. Yeah. So you and then have, we have Taco Fall. And you have Taco Fall. <laughs> I mean, it's he's going to be in camp. And who, like, best case scenario, like, they say we need to get him on a two-way. But even that seems Yeah, that's not going to happen. Either. That's probably still not going to happen either because they agreed to turn with Max Struess, like, right away. 
The interesting thing is, I don't think, I don't know if people realize that he's played the third fewest minutes per game of anybody on the summer league roster. Like, he actually hasn't even played that much. He's like a lefty specialist out of the bullpen. Yeah, and, that's uh, a good way of thinking. Yeah, right, he's a loogie. Just get the, a loogie. <laughs> just a third of an inning. Just get him in. Get him. Don't wear him down. Get him block a shot, a couple dunks, and call it a night. The bullpen. Um, he is, I mean, he does move far better than, I mean, I didn't watch a ton. I mean, I watched him in the tournament is when I saw him and was like, okay, this is, you know, this is fun, but, like, this isn't, you know, sustainable. Um, but, and who knows, again, once he, you know, his free throw, his form is, you know, makes him a huge target on the back for any kind of hacking when he's on the floor. But he's held up, like, a lot better than I expected. And, I mean, he could probably go make some good money overseas, but if he wants to, like, spend a year or two in Maine and, you know, grind for an opportunity, then, like, I asked the scout what the over-under is, put put it at 0.5 in terms of NBA games for him, and he took the over. So, like... Yeah, I don't know if that'll be for the Celtics. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to be for the Celtics, but someone's going to give him a chance. I I think that what he's shown is that he's, like, more than a novelty, even if he's, like, even if he's less than an NBA player at this point. He's not a joke, right? It's not just He's better than Yabu. Yeah, <laughs> that's seemingly, yeah. Um, and like you said, uh, he could probably go overseas and, and do quite well. Yabuselli, when he was in China, was you know put up put up big numbers, and uh, maybe we'll go back that way and, and make some money. Um, so I think that he does have a you know like he's a professional basketball player in his future. Where that is, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, I would probably take over a half the game, but but again, just not for the Celtics. He might start in Maine, and at some point, somebody will be looking for something different and. Um, offer him maybe a you know a two way slot opens up with somebody else and and he goes that route, uh, but like I said, he's proven that he's not a, that it's not a joke, right? He's a he's a NBA fringy sort of player. Um, he's got useful skills. He's got nice touch if he needs it. Uh, nice touch from like two feet, you know, when he needs it. Uh, I think that's maybe that's why Onowaku is on the team is because they were trying to be like, hey, underhand free throws. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, I, he's, it's been fun. But I think that as people move away from it just being a fun thing at Summer League, they may look back and say, yeah, maybe there's, there's a little bit there. But uh, reasonably, I don't think he's going to bounce anybody from this roster. I don't think he's who they're targeting with the 15th slot now that that's opened. I don't expect them to back out on Struess and give him the two-way. He, you know, like I said, he's playing 14 minutes a game in Summer League. Uh, those 14 minutes are memorable, but uh, there's not a lot. Not a lot there. It was nice to see that Struis uh, kind of had a yeah. little bit of a breakout game in his third one because his first two games he was almost like anonymous to me. I was like, who do we give the second two way to? Who's this dude? Right. And they had a little bit of a, a better uh, last game. That was important. I feel like that was important in terms of being like, all right, who? What can this guy bring to the table? And quick release seems like a smart player just in terms of how he operates on the floor. Um, good size for a wing. But yeah, wasn't standing out at all in those first two games, but clearly can shoot the ball. And yeah, having a a, a seasoned wing out of college on a two way, like that that's fine. Grow to more. That's you know. Javante Green's really popped, except I didn't realize he was like thirty two years old. Right. Twenty six, exactly. something like that. Like, yeah, he's just I mean, he's an athlete. He's he's those dunks that he's throwing down are, are impressive. But once I heard it, it was like, Oh, he's twenty six and he hasn't played in the NBA, I was like, Oh well that explains it. that's what's going on here. So, I mean, I wonder if he gets a look at from someone in the camp or just goes back overseas. Like, I'm sure. I don't even know where he's played in the past. <laughs> he played on Tice's team. Oh, in, okay. Uh, Germany. Okay. 
So that's it's so maybe he moves up a league though, something like that. Like he does, he's shown something, I think. Uh, and that German league isn't exactly, you know, the the top of the heap in Europe. So maybe this opens up some eyes and gets him gets him paid a little bit better out there. Uh, but he can, yeah, he's a he's a high flyer. It's, I mean, just I don't know if I've ever seen this many impressive dunks in a summer league game. Just from... A lot of them have been really fun too, out of like interesting kind of odd angle passes or, or uh, hit aheads and, and outlet passes and all this kind of kind of fun stuff. And then you you think maybe that's going to lead to a layup or that's a tough catch or something. And then suddenly he's just dunking on somebody. You're like, oh, all right, well that's <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> there, it's just weird. It's like there are no scrubs on this team. I mean, yeah. there are at the very bottom of it, but like. The guys who play, they're the guys all. Play, they've right. all got something. Like Aaron Harrison starts, and he's you know he's one of the worst players on the team, and it's like and he's like played the NBA, team. right? Right. <laughs> that, this yeah. tells you all you need to know. Like though, I mean, we'll probably never see a summer like you know a quality of summer league basketball like this ever again in terms of just like this team. Yeah, if they so. cared to win the tournament, I I think they would win the tournament. I don't you know like we said at the top, they don't care at this point, and no. maybe. Robert Williams sits a game, or Grant Williams sits a game. You know, they maybe not all play, uh, and not having Waters here again for uh, obvious, uh, understandable reasons of much more important things going on will impact them a little bit as well um, in terms of winning and losing games. But they're the best team in Vegas uh, by you know by a wide margin, and part of it's like just kind of fit, but also I think a lot of it is what you know what you just said, where they can. I mean, how many summer league teams can roll like eleven guys who you look at and you're like, hey, that guy might be able to play. Like, you might be able to get a two way contract and get on the floor for a couple games." Uh, and that's with Yabuselli being being released in the middle of it, and he obviously was sort of an NBA player. Yeah, uh, as we well. need to talk about so. him a little bit. Um, this was the timing of this was interesting from a Southern perspective. I mean, it was pretty clear after. Well, first of all, if you're you're asked to play summer league for your third time that's never a good sign no. um and he asked had to sit out of the first practice of summer league because he was sore so that also wasn't a good sign going in um and so yeah like this is a guy that was taken 2016 because he probably you know it was a clear draft and stash situation for the celtics that summer which in hindsight didn't really work out very well um with either pick and now he was here. I feel like that option was picked up last fall just for trade matching purposes. Um, yep. Primarily, I would think. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, price, that's, you know. I think, pretty clear. Right. And so now with that, I don't know. I kind of thought, okay, maybe they'll just keep him around in case they want to use that salary at some point. But um, clearly, I mean, do you think this is just more like they want that roster spot or potentially something? else could be cooking here like what, what do you what do you think on this i think mostly it's roster spot um uh, i think they probably brought him out to vegas thinking well this is a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be on this team so let's bring him out here and maybe he has a really Do good that. summer league and somebody wants to take a ch- take a take a chance on him and you know he opens up some eyes like even if it's a, even if that's a long shot there's no harm in doing it and once he dislocates his finger and you're like all right well you're not gonna be able to play it's whatever hope they had of recouping some value like that that kind of goes out the window because he's not going to not going to be there through the rest of it and I, I think we all knew that um everybody i think has a soft spot for him he's a funny character he seems like a genuinely nice person uh nba basketball might not be for him <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh sort of sad to see him go i mean i can go through 
there's some kind of like math stuff that stands out to me as being a little bit odd with the timing. I don't know if you want me to go into the, like, I can explain the details of it if you want, if you think anybody cares. If not, uh, you know, I can <laughs> move on. Yeah, like the, the cliff notes is what, like, they can, they can, if they stretch them, they can open up a little bit of money to well, so, offer uh, yeah. more than the minimum. Well, I think you start, so if they hadn't, there was no reason to release him when they did, as far as we know, right? right. They didn't, they didn't have anything else going on. You can carry more than 15 guys during, during this time of the year. So it's not like they need the roster spot right now, even if they're about to sign somebody. Like, there's no, no need for it. And they had uh, about $1.4 million in cap space, um, having not signed Tice or Cantor or uh, Wanamaker or Poirier. I don't actually know how to say his name, I'm realizing. <laughs> um, so they hadn't, having not signed those guys and just having Tice's cap hold and, and the rest of the guys not on the roster, they had um, between $1.4 and $1.5 million in cap space, which is kind of important because Carson Edwards being a second round pick doesn't have a, a first round pick rookie um, exception to sign him with. Like you can sign Romeo Langford no matter where you are in relation to the cap because he carries into the season um, a cap hold and, a, and an exception for his signing regardless of where the team is in relation to the salary cap. Um, second round picks don't. And so you can always sign a second round pick or anybody with a minimum exception, but that only goes two years. And so if you want to sign uh, a player like Edwards to more than two years. The minimum exception is only two years. The room exception, which they've already, you know, earmarked for Ennis Cantor, if they had that, that's only two years. So if you want to sign a guy for more than two years and basically like get him into his career and to the point where like you have decisions about restricted free agency and all that stuff, you want to sign him with cap space. When they waived Yabusele, his money stays on the books. But by removing him, they add something called a, an incomplete roster charge, which is basically if you don't have 12 players or cap holds on your roster, you add minimum salaries for however many up to 12 you need. And they had less than 12 players. And so by waiving Yabuselli but not stretching, you actually lose $900,000 in cap space. And so you go from $1.4 million to less than the minimum. And so then you don't have the money to sign Carson Edwards to, a, to more than a two-year uh, contract. So what does that all mean? It indicates to me that either um, they're just going to stretch Yabusele, so they'll put $1 million functionally of his salary onto this year's books and then $1 million onto next year and the year after. That isn't what you would normally want to do because it's only a $1 million. The salary cap's going to be $125 right. million. Like it's less than 1%. But you don't, they might be in the luxury tax at that point. Like In theory, if they extend or you know, re-sign... Or if they want to open up cap room in two years. That's the other thing. If they want to open up cap room at some point, it looks like they won't. It's pretty difficult for them to get there unless, but so many things are changing in the league. Like you never really know, but you don't, there's no reason to add money to the books in the future because they're going to be a capped out team this year. Like it just functionally, there was no reason to do it. And if they had simply signed Edwards before waiving Yabusele, this wouldn't have been a problem at all because they could have used the cap space and then waived him. So like the timing of it doesn't make sense where either they're going to stretch him which means that they're trying to create a little bit more cap room. So maybe they're trying to sign somebody to that 15th spot who's like in a very specific position where it's like they want more than the minimum to sign him, but it's a player who has like not that much experience because the money they would have needs to be, you know, more than that player. So you, if it's like an eight-year veteran, then the amount of cap space they have is going to be less than the eight-year minimum. Right. <laughs> um so like it's, it has to be kind of a very specific player for this to matter, but it looks like maybe they're trying to like carve out a couple million in extra cap space to like sign a fifteenth player who they actually want. 
or maybe there's a trade have... coming and they just don't care. Yeah, and then they would still have and the cap space left Edwards. for Edwards. Got it. But if they had just signed Edwards first and then waived Yabuselli and then didn't stretch him, like that would have been the most straightforward thing. They would have said, okay, well, now we have one roster spot. We've got a minimum exception. We'll sign somebody with a minimum, whatever. It looks like they're maybe working on something else. It could be a trade where they just don't care because it's going to take care of itself. It could be that they're looking to sign somebody, but it's just kind of odd. The timing is is weird in a way that doesn't quite add up to me. Um, and that's, I know, technical and maybe people have zoned out at this point, but just it seems like there's something else coming that's not taco fall for the minimum. Right. Uh, but even if they were, like, the trade part of this is very interesting to me, though, because, like, you would even, like, do it in can. Would there be an advantage to doing to stretching it before getting a trade done? Like, why don't you? Wouldn't you do that? Because again, there's no, there's not like you need a roster spot for a trade. No, not at this so time like, of the season. So maybe they're just. I mean, part of it could be like we know, like no one's going to take you, Yabu. We're going to do you a favor. To, like you need to start finding, you know, figure out your next move, buddy, because it's not going to be here. But the money perspective is very interesting, though, because it's like it's almost scary. Like they're definitely stretching him because. There's no way they're gonna sign Carson Edwards to a two-year deal for the minimum because that's dumb. Yeah, well, that's why I say it. Like, unless there's there's a trade that they have ninety-nine percent done, and for some reason nobody's heard anything about it, and whatever, you know, sometimes these things come in a left field where the timing just doesn't matter, right? They're taking back less money than they're sending out. It, it. reopens the cap space, yeah. and they might just simply not not have to care. Um, but that. You know, I don't know. I know there's been a lot of talk. That some people have been saying, like, oh, you know, Danny's saying he's not done yet. They're not done. They're still looking at some interesting things. There might be some, like, slightly bigger move coming than people realize. Um, and maybe that will be the case, and then everything. I'm sure at some point all this will make sense. Like, they didn't just make a mistake. I'm certain of that, that they weren't just, like, you know, derelict in their in their cap math and and, and made this mistake. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure that something is coming. Like I said, I think the most likely thing is that they're going to sign somebody for something not the minimum exception the player that i think we both were looking at when the when they first waved yabu selling like these sort of looked at the master like maybe trey lyles but then he signed with the spurs so there aren't like a ton of good options out there even yeah like, it's hard it to figure sense. out but like there, i don't know anybody i don't see anybody who's like oh that player you can't get them for the minimum you'd really want to have a little bit more and um so i don't know like i said i think we will I think when they, whenever this move comes down, it'll be like, oh, okay, well, that's what it was. And maybe it won't be that big a deal, but at least it'll the, the sort of puzzle pieces will fit together. But at the moment, there's a hole in there that I don't quite, you know, I haven't quite figured out yet. Jonas Jerebko. Yeah, I think Jerebko, again, he's got... Jerebko as a last roster spot guy would be perfectly fine with me. Like, I like him, and they need a, you know, a stretch power forward would be fine. And uh, obviously he had some success here. I think he's had enough years where, like, Again, his minimum salary is more than what they've created or about what they've created. It almost doesn't matter at this point. So, right. Um, yeah. It is. But I... The the trade aspect to me, it is interesting, though. Because right now, like, if they're going to make any kind of a trade, it's going to be a pretty major trade. Yeah, with who's on yeah, the roster. The right, right, exactly. Because yeah. you only have... You're only eligible to trade, like, seven players on the roster right now. Yeah. And they're all important players. And again, like... And you're not going to trade... Ojalay, you're not going to dump him. You're not going to dump Robert Williams. So after that, you're looking at the the core pieces. Yeah, and if you put like Ojalay and Williams together, you don't get enough money for it to really be meaningful. You look at the list of players who that might be, and you're like, all right, well, there's some guys in there, but they're not players who anybody's looking to trade because they're all young rookie scale players who you might, you know, they're not going to trade for Luka Doncic, right? Like he's not available. Um, So I agree, you'd have to get into 
Jalen or Smart or something really big with Gordon Hayward, maybe. There just aren't a lot of tradable pieces right now. The team becomes really flexible in, in the middle of the year when Tyson, Cantor, and some other players who are maybe more expendable and now making kind of medium-sized contracts, you can put some of those guys together and get into the kind of teens in terms of money that you can take back. Although without Yabu Sele, that uh, you lose a little bit even on that front. But yeah, I agree. If there is a trade, it's going to be it's going to have to be for something not uh, you know not entirely uh, meaningless because just the guys who are available to to trade are all pretty good. Yeah, it's all it's all pretty interesting because they are holding up on signing everyone else until all this comes together. Yeah, so that's pretty. You know, they finally signed the rookies who were who make no difference, right? right. It not it used to make a difference. You used to wait to sign those guys until last because their cap holds were. Uh, you know where the slot salary, and they would sign for twenty percent above it. But now their holds are are ever, you know, are their max salary. So they all you can sign them whenever. But I think they were like two of the last three or four first round picks to sign. Um, and I always sort of was thinking like, oh, maybe they're just trying to like do a press conference or a press release with all three of the rookies together, like almost treating Carson Edwards like a first round pick, and maybe it's just kind of a PR thing. But then that didn't happen. I don't know why they, what they were waiting for on that one. Maybe they just didn't get around to the paperwork or I don't I don't know, but. Um, yeah, they, they kind of waited on them, and, and now they've got all this other stuff on hold. But so much of the league has been on hold for the last couple of weeks in terms of like officially finishing signings because there were a little move here or there that, or sometimes really big moves here or there that you had to get the ordering right, and it seemed like they got uh, pretty backed up in like the league office. So it's hard to tell what you know what the timing on some of these things were. But right now, it seems clear to me that there is another move that should happen before they sign Edwards, Tice, Cantor, and and the rest. Uh, but again, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but uh, we'll probably know pretty pretty soon. I think maybe by the time people are listening to this, we'll, right, we'll exactly. know, and then it'll be out of date. You know, this whole section people can skip it, but um, we'll see. It'll break tonight. I don't know. You, I don't know if you have any other ideas. Like I said, we talked, and Lyles and Jarebko were sort of like, yeah, maybe. But I, I looked at the list, and I was like, there's really nobody else on this list that seems right. to fit nobody the bill. Is, right, that you need to offer more than the minimum for. Yeah, like there's needs on the roster, but in terms of the available pieces left i don't know if there. there's somebody in like uh, the euro league or something that we're gonna suddenly pull over right. but <laughs> so it, it does make me kind of like you know what's going like on here sniff it out in terms of whether they're poking around on trade still or yeah. and i feel like that would be uh i mean honestly the only like moving one of the wings would be the only thing that makes sense there um, but even I mean it's the have... only players who are available to move i mean like right. you said there's only a few guys on the who are under contract at this point um, and I'm not, I, I can't, people throw out trade possibilities and I always can't just get past my own feelings of like, why would you trade a wing for a big, like, yeah. so why would you ever do it? I don't, I don't understand why there's a, it's like, oh, would you trade Jalen for, you know, like Sabonis? And I'm like, I'm like, well, Miles Turner, the money doesn't work, but you'd have to trade smart and Brown to that's get true. the money to work. And it's like, well, that's, that's just stupid. Like you shouldn't do that. Right. Uh, so then it's become Sabonis and it's like, oh, I like Sabonis and he's got, but there's a lot of guys out there who are centers who you can you don't have to trade Jalen Brown for, um, so I don't know. I can't figure it out. It's but something's up. Yeah, that that'll be something interesting for the to see. If, again, like I think the odds are what you said. Just they're gonna bring in someone for that 15th roster spot, and then maybe they're it's a waiting game for that. Um, but there is still. Uh, definitely some sort of odds that it's something bigger than that, and we will find that out in the next week. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. Any? Do we have any thoughts on this West? I mean, all these trades are out West, 
So nothing directly impacts the Celtics um, as far as the Westbrook, Chris Paul stuff. I mean, the Heat looks like they could get Chris Paul here, which I think wait, is a much wait. smarter. Before we do this, breaking news. You want the breaking news? Yes. The Celtics have agreed to sign Carson Edwards to a deal that is not the minimum. So everything we just said is true. Something else has to happen. Um, at the very least, they've stretched Yabusele. Maybe that right. came down. Uh, but anyway, Carson Edwards will be signing, not for the minimum, not for his rookie tender. So everything we just said does make sense. Uh, <laughs> sorry to break in um, uh, on what you were saying about the Western Conference, which I think is also is obviously true. Everything has been crazy. <laughs> um, uh, it's all a, a madhouse. I think maybe the most important thing from a Celtics perspective is that when you came into this offseason, the East was looking like it might be turning, right? Like it might be taking the top spot back from the West after a very long time of the West being the dominant conference. And you looked and were like, if Kawhi stays and Embiid is here and Giannis is here and Durant comes to the, you know, comes to either the Knicks or the Nets and maybe, you know, Kyrie looked like he was going to stay in the East and obviously did. And you started looking at a lot of those things and, Maybe the Celtics would trade for Anthony Davis, and right, like, there was all this kind of stuff where you were like, "Boy, the the East could get really loaded really fast." And then you come out of it on the other end, and you're like, "Oh, the West is amazingly good," <laughs> um, and the Celtics are on the other side of it, probably sort of like, "Boy, our plans were right. 2020 was the time to strike, and it just didn't work out, and that really hurts because the the path to the title or to the to the finals at least looks really open if you're in the east and really difficult if you're in the west and obviously the Celtics are not in the west um so uh, yeah I don't know it's just it's been a crazy year I think it's bad in the long term I've been sort of wondering about what all this means in terms of league stability and labor and stuff like that but we're 45 minutes into the podcast and you probably don't want to get into all that um but yeah I don't know I'm sure you were. You must have been as as shocked as the rest of the world. Uh, I'm guessing the Celtics beat didn't have an inside track on Paul George getting traded and then Russell Westbrook getting traded. Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, it kind of knocks you back as just a basketball fan. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes you think a lot about where, again, like you said, the the long term plan for the Celtics and what, you know, not that they ever like could the Celtics have traded for Paul George could they have topped that offer of course but they would have left them like with little else on the roster but it oh is this time just... around uh, or you yes. mean a couple years ago oh yeah no this time around there was no way he was coming you know you look ago, back no. now and you're like boy you know he could have left you, you could have traded for him he could have left you didn't win anything there but in the end like they got so much for him right that the same, yeah, I don't know. And then you look at Kawhi, and they got they got a title. They didn't get anything. Obviously, move him move him on at the end. It's just been it's such a difficult sort of market for players to read right now because they have so much power and so things happen so quickly that you're just like, you I don't know. This stuff can blow up really fast as it did on the Celtics. Um, and sometimes you come out of it looking pretty rosy, like the Pelicans and and Thunder have, because you have control over some things. And sometimes you're the Celtics right now, and you're like, hmm. Boy, that that didn't work, <laughs> um, which uh, is unfortunate. But some of I don't know. There's a lot that goes in. Some of it's luck, some timing. A lot, a lot that's happening right now that's hard to get your hands around. Um, but it, a lot of it's happening in the West, like you said. So I guess that's good for the Celtics for, for the next couple of years, at least. Yeah, it's. I mean, we'll see what they have up their sleeve as the year goes on in terms of 
how much they want to, you know, jump on opportunity if it strikes, whether it's trading for a guy like Bradley Beal in the middle of the year no. if he comes available no. or no. But no, that's not going to happen. I'm not. Right. Bra- I'm not for that. You're not <laughs> on the Bradley Beal Jason Tatum connection. Keep him happy. Eh. No, not particularly. No, and but beyond that, it's tough to see who that next guy is going to be. And until Carl Anthony Towns in four years. In four years, right? Like that is <laughs> three years, maybe four I mean, years. We'll see how quickly someone can ask for a trade after signing a five-year extension. I guess so. That's going to be the uh, the next question. But in the meantime, the Celtics will be fun to watch. And if everything goes right, they will be in the mix at the top of the East. And they'll have some pretty big decisions to make over the course of it, whether it's Jalen Brown's next deal, what to do with the Memphis pick, and whether they can get any of these rookies to look like appealing assets for a start on the line, which... Strong start in the first week, I guess. Oh yeah, no, all these guys are future superstars. <laughs> no question about it. We should we we should be worrying right now that you can only have two Rose Rule designated rookies five years from now because all of these guys are making All NBA and <laughs> uh, maybe not quite that level. But it's been a good week. It's been a good couple of weeks, I think. If you're a Celtics fan, yeah, I agree. Things are looking up in terms of fun factor, but also. Um, you know, it's it's always good when you're adding players and they're showing out like the the summer league Celtics have. So uh, let's hope this set, this summer league season never ends, except uh, in a few days when it ends. Well, we will be anxiously watching for that. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Winning Plays Pod, Brian. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, again, th- remain number one in the guest power rankings here. So. Anytime you need somebody to come on and not know when to stop talking or how to transition <laughs> back to you, I am, you know where to find me. Well, get Mike or Rich. Um, <laughs> They're professionals. Come on. Um, in the meantime, please subscribe to the Winning Plays pod, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. There is a, a great review on there that uh, talks up Ryan's first guest appearance. So um, I wrote it. Feel free to add to it. Exactly. So yeah, it add more to that. Um, also, give Ryan a follow on Twitter at danger cart and um yeah we'll be back with you guys next week to uh react to kemba walker's introduction and see if this front office has anything else up its sleeve um with that 15th roster spot